The saints are those who allowed their whole being to be washed by the blood of Christ, meaning to allow God fully in their life to conform their mind, their soul, and their will to God. As human beings, we know what a struggle it is to give ourselves completely to God, because as a consequence of original sin, we all have broken desires. We have weakened wills to follow through with it, always the best thing to do. And so we struggle. We struggle to make the right choice at times. Well, the saints are those who struggled like you and I. As you see in the depictions in the windows, women and men of all types, of all races, who allowed their lives to become more and more conformed to Christ to varying degrees while here on earth. Some we might see, like a Mother Teresa, would say, wow, she must have been pretty far along in her life. She got the gospel about being humble and meek and lowly and caring for those who are in need. We can use other beautiful witnesses and examples, perhaps in our own life. Those who we think of have been such beautiful witnesses. Just before Mass, Deacon Tim shared so beautifully about his own mother, whom he lost this week. How she was such a beautiful, humble, beautiful, charitable person. That unconditional love. I'm not determining her to be a saint, simply saying we look for those qualities in a person to see how radically conformed they are to Christ. If they have been washed in the blood of Christ, so it's not one's own will, but it's the will of our Heavenly Father. One of the things I love about our beautiful St. Joseph Cathedral is the beautiful images in these windows. So we have various images of women and of men on both sides. And we see the beautiful examples of the different types of labor of men and women and how God works through even our occupations, the work we do and our vocations to make us holy. And it's all going to be dependent upon how much we allow the blood of Christ, God himself, to transform us to think as God thinks, not as we think. We heard in that first reading today, which is a prophecy. It's a prophecy of what the end of time will be like. And I love that image that we must first mark those who are servants of God. Ah, means some are not then servants of God. Servants of God will be those who will be on their way to heaven. They might need some time in purgatory to be purified of all the attachments they have yet in life where their lives are not completely conformed, washed with the blood of Christ, God gives us that beautiful opportunity in that experience of purging all the things that are not of God because he loves us so much and he wants us to experience the fullness of that life and love. But we heard in that prophecy, Jesus was saying, these are the ones who have survived the time of great distress and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This indeed is a time of great distress for us, in our own country, our church, our world. It is a time where men and women have to make choices, and even within our own country right now, as we are on the verge of our election, will those choices that we and others make be choices that are in conformity with the mind and the will of God. A question we all must ponder, especially as adults, as we make our way to making decisions as it regards to whom we should vote for. We heard in our second reading today in the first letter of St. Paul to John, 
Everyone who has this hope, that is the hope in him, makes himself pure and is pure. God desires all of us to be completely pure, to be making the right choices as he has revealed. And we can look both to the Old Testament, for example, the Ten Commandments, and we can look at the Beatitudes. The Ten Commandments in so many ways tell us what we should do, right? You shall not have no strange gods before me. We heard in our gospel last week in the greatest of all the commandments, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. When we allow the blood of Christ to be washed through us, that is God washing over us, us receiving the spirit of God, God lives in us. And we think, we act, and we love as God does because it's actually God's love flowing through us. You see, the nature of God's love is to seek the good of the other. That's why he created us so we could share in communion with him, not only here on earth, by allowing grace into our lives, that is, his own very life, into our own soul as we are temples of the Holy Spirit, but to be with him forever in heaven, to share the communion of friendship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all the angels and saints. The saints are those who are tasting richly of the love of God. Souls in purgatory are longing for that day as they continue to be purified. And we long to whatever extent we have God as the top priority of our life. And we make decisions in accord with them, teaches us and helps us understand how much we are making our judgments based on the judgments of God. So in the Old Testament, we have lots of laws like the Ten Commandments. In the New Testament, we have beautiful witnesses of the gospel last weekend, the greatest of all the commandments, but also very specific ways in the Beatitudes. Jesus teaching all the positive things to do. So, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the clean of heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And blessed are you when you are insulted and persecuted and utter every kind of evil falsely against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. So recently, we had the proceedings for an election of a new Supreme Court Justice, Amy Court Barrett. In those proceedings, was righteousness offered to her and all the questions that were placed before her? Those are things those souls will have to ask. As we look at our upcoming election, how disheartening perhaps it was for so many of us, certainly in the first of the presidential debates, to hear such negativity about each other. That's not a godly quality. Rash judgment, uncharitable speech, putting others down, that's not of God. It doesn't matter what party we're in, it's not rooted in God. 
And the challenge we all have then is how do we vote in a time like this? Where maybe we like things on both sides, if you will, of the two main parties. Because there's certainly some beautiful and wonderful qualities in both parties. But there's also some very serious things that are opposed to what God has already revealed. The saints allowed their lives to be conformed to Christ. And there's a beautiful expression that I love from Romans. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. What is good, acceptable, and perfect for any of us as individuals, any organization we're in, any political party, any whatever, is how it conforms to what God has revealed. God is the decider of the moral character of the human person. And any of us got to be very careful we don't take that on as our own judgment. Any group must be very careful to not take that on as their own judgment. And so, while we are on the verge of a very important election in certain ways, regardless of the outcome, God will be with us and he will see us through. But what we want to do when we analyze how we ought to function as Christians, as Catholics, in a civil society, is to understand the positions, if you will, the values that underlie whatever group it is, whatever political party it is, whatever person it is. That helps us to align ourselves as much as possible to those things which are core values that God has already revealed. Now, it must always be based on accurate data. And so as I reflect upon this and I looked upon the, um, the data from the two platforms from our two main parties, we see that there's a variation, of course, and some are very different on certain particular principles. As I said, there's beautiful qualities, some beautiful qualities, in both of them. For example, in the Republican Party, there's a great focus on the rights of American citizens that proceed from the Creator and not the government. That says to me, there's a Christian value. There's an acknowledgement of God. It's one of their platform pieces, we believe the strength of our nation derives from our adherence to the Judeo-Christian values. That's how our country was established. And will it continue that way? Or will there be some person, some party, some whatever, that makes a decision to establish a morality that's different than what God has already clearly communicated in Scripture and tradition? They focus on traditional family values. The marriage should be consisting of one man and one woman. This is straight in line with our Catholic faith that God has revealed. Even in the Old Testament, see beautiful witnesses. That example, God made them male and female for procre procreation, for the well-being of the common good, the whole, not individual preferences or choices. A wholesome education 
setting, free from inappropriate sexual or cultural information in our curriculum or classrooms. We encourage instruction to students on social, psychological, economic, and health gains to be realized by abstinence from sexual activity until marriage. That's a virtuous choice, building positive qualities in people. Certainly the Second, second Amendment, that can be debated, right? What are people's rights there? We support the free exercise of religion. One of our core beliefs, human life, religious liberties, and the dignity of family life as God has designed it to be. Those as Catholics and as Christians, even Judeo, should be at the very, very top of how we make judgments in our life personally and as we make other choices in our life. We affirm the sanctity of human life, including the unborn, the elderly, the chronically ill, the terminally ill. We oppose abortion and assisted suicide in all forms. We believe that life begins with conception. That is consistent with what God has revealed. We oppose embryonic stem cell research. We support alternatives, not providing the killing of human embryos. The sanctity of the human life, the choice of God, and woe to any of us who make that choice ourselves or promote or encourage that in some other way. We see some beautiful qualities in the Democratic Party, wanting to be dedicated to an agrarian culture, certainly in our diocese, so very important. Family farms, farmers markets, producers, native nations, rural communities, good wages, affordable housing, affordable health care. Now how that's done becomes the question. A strong system of public education, improving funding for public education, with taxpayer dollars staying within the public education system. Now that's a discretionary matter, meaning that it's discriminating those who choose, for example, a Catholic education or Christian education. One needs to really be thinking, is that what God would want? Private public health care system that provides programs for pregnancy care and comprehensive planning services, regardless of age and income. This can include things like, for example, contraception or other sorts of things. Is that what God designed to be? To be fertile, multiply the earth. It's an intentional choice to not cooperate if one makes that intentional choice. Have they asked God what God wants and living in accord with God's will? Equitable treatment for all people, regardless of age, culture, disability, ethnicity, gender, immigration. Care for the soul, absolutely. But how do we live that in a way that doesn't violate what God has communicated about our own sexual identity? and the purpose of our identity in light of our vocations. There's obviously many other things that I could go into, but just trying to give examples from data that's been provided as we try to make choices in our life, how do we become saints? Will you conform our mind to the mind of Christ, the mind of God as he has revealed himself? Other examples, the right to end life, the end of life decisions, 
which includes a person's right to die, in other words, assisted suicide, contraception research, family, comprehensive family programs to support the rearing of kids, and the right of women to make medical decisions for their own bodies. This can include abortion. That's a serious sin. That's a serious attack upon human life. God is clear, thou shalt not kill. And to justify anything beyond that, one would have to have a proportionate reason that's as great as that. And a soul would need to discern that in conscience, a well-formed conscience before God, not in line with our Catholic belief as Christians and as Catholics. My brothers and sisters, we all have big decisions to make in our life, personally and as it relates to things that can affect our culture, how we live in America, what influence we have in the world. We are called to be Christians, Catholics, on our journey to heaven. And the best way we can do that is conform our mind, our heart, and our will to God's holy will. To understand that, to follow that, to not choose for ourselves what we want, but to ask God, what is it you want? That's how human beings are transformed into saints, now and in purgatory. The choice is ours. And I often tell people, you might as well do it now because you're going to have to deal with it in purgatory anyways. Anything where we haven't let Christ into our life. We want to be happy. We want to be fulfilled. Now's the time. Seize the day. Let us stand up and live as Christians, as Catholics in the world, allowing our mind to be conformed to what God has revealed in Scripture and tradition, and letting it all be motivated by love. So every choice we make, we can say before the face of God, I'm following him as best I possibly can. Let's pray for that grace and help each other along the journey.